Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman Podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience, and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. So in our discussions over the last couple of weeks, the term gaslighting has come up in a couple of conversations. And Joji and I wanted to just delve into this term. It's not a new term, but it definitely has picked up momentum over the last couple of years. And I was telling her that I don't have necessarily the Webster Dictionary definition of it. But for me, my understanding is this is when somebody manipulates you by distorting your reality and making you doubt yourself, making you feel quote unquote crazy in an effort to take over and have control over uh, you or the situation. And so this has come up in conversations between colleagues of mine and myself, friends, even within my family. Uh, And I think it's an interesting concept that really, like I said, has gained more momentum in the last couple of, I would say, probably the last couple of years. So Joji, just throwing it to you as far as what is your experience with this concept and how have you understood it? Uh, My understanding of it is usually in the context of when my daughter uses it in a description of what might be going on with a friend or, you know, discussion about usually somebody who is behaving in a manner that's referred to as gaslighting. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't really understand and maybe still don't understand exactly what is meant by it per se. It's not the exact definition, because I will say after you and I talked about this, this topic, I mentioned it to my husband and he said, oh, there's a movie that is where the word is coined from. And so I went and I looked it up. And in, in 1944, there was a movie called Gaslight. And it was really the concept you talked about. So it's a black and white movie with Ingrid Bergman in it. She won an Academy Award for it as lead actress. And basically, she is being made to question herself and her sanity because her husband was trying to convince her of certain things. And when he's doing that, the light, the gaslight actually dims. And so she draws an association between the light dimming and her thinking she's losing her mind. And that's just one aspect of how that gets sort of made into a literal form of this meaning. And so I found that to be interesting. And I did, there are some other movies that also describe this in like a movie form. And so I found it to be that, you know, learning from those examples of it. But what you said and how you defined it was really, I think, the heart of it and the way that my daughter or young people use the word. It's really about making you second guess yourself um, and makes you feel like you're the only one seeing things in a very specific way when other people don't see it that way. And so you don't trust your own judgment. And I think that's the manipulation that you know, is intentionally being done, because there's definitely an intentional component to this. Does that sound about right to you, Alyssa? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you know, when we're talking about the definition, I think that it's misconstrued or misused a lot of times, too, because I remember having conversation with a friend and, you know, this individual was like, oh, I'm, you know, this 
I'm being gaslit. And I was like, okay, well, what's the situation? And sometimes people misperceive, well, they told me that I was being mean, but I wasn't being mean. And it's, well, again, it that manipulation piece is the crux of it. Like somebody has to be purposefully, if somebody's giving you their perspective on a scenario or situation and you don't agree with it, that is different than, you know, them gaslighting you to distort your reality. So I think that it there is like these nuances of social interaction that I, I think that I think it's being misused a lot of times. Oh, you're gaslighting me. I like for me, it's a trigger word because if somebody says it to me, I automatically am like the intention to manipulate you is not there. So that's not an accurate depiction of the situation currently. And I find that very hard because so, it, again, it's just thrown around so much more. I know that it's linked to narcissistic personality disorder. So somebody who has narcissistic characteristics, which, again, is like a term that's thrown around a lot. But that person's, again, trying to manipulate you. And so I, I see it just in my world uh, thrown so much, you know, out there and how people describe certain situations, but I take it with a grain of salt whenever I hear it because I feel like eh, I'm not sure that's exactly an accurate depiction of what's happening because it could be a lot of different things, but it's it definitely is being misused. Well, that's what I think. My perception of it is very similar. I think that it's become almost like a buzzword. And for those of us who might have a definition that might be triggering then when you hear it used in different contexts, you start thinking, okay, you don't want to dilute the definition to the point where now it's synonymous with, you know, making anybody feel bad or take responsibility or something when that intentional manipulation seems to be a really key part of it. And I think that there is, you know, there might be also intentional manipulation, but is it an ongoing sustained kind of behavior to make you feel like you're losing your mind, which also seems to be a critical piece of that definition. So I definitely think that it is a word that is being thrown around quite a bit. And and so I don't know if there are components of it that have to be present for it to be used appropriately, you know, like the chronic nature of it, that you do second guess yourself but think you're going crazy and it's intentional. Are there any other components of it that you think are critical to that definition? I mean, I think that, you know, the other part of it is just that self-doubt. And I think that in when you get and I think that can happen outside of gaslighting. So there's a lot of situations I think that we experience, not just, you know, I would say in just day to day, I was going to say not just as women, but really, I, I think that there's a lot of areas where we experience self-doubt, you know, am I being like you and I were talking this week uh, when I was had a rough week and I was like, I doubt, you know, if I'm being good mom, if I'm being a good employee, because I'm trying to balance like work life balance this week with my kids being sick. And it's you experience self doubt all the time. And so it's you have that piece of it that I think comes into play. But also recognizing that, you know, if you talk to somebody and you say, hey, this is my situation. And they say, no, you know, you're doing great or you're fine or, you know, you get like that affirmation or reassurance that you are doing well. That's, you know, again, a situation where 
you have to find people you trust to be the sounding board to figure out if you like let's say somebody was saying like no you're a horrible mom or whatever is that are you being gaslit or are you being you know judged or what the circumstances are so I would say the manipulation is like a big piece of it the other part is that self-doubt but that's hard to piece apart when you're not sure where reality even lies yeah I think that if there's a difference of opinion like for example I could see a situation where it may be you know I think it's a little bit I mean, it doesn't really have a place in the workplace, but I can imagine if I was like, for example, doing a performance evaluation with an employee and I might be remarking on some negative behavior that I see in a team dynamic with this, you know, maybe a team member with a group in a group or team project that if they disagreed with it or didn't want to take responsibility or couldn't entertain that thought they might allege that I'm trying to gaslight them, right? Because now I'm giving them something that they don't want to hear, uh, but the intention is to improve, you know, sort of the behavior. So I do feel like that I could see coming out of somebody who's maybe, you know, in their 20s or something like that, where they think, oh, well, this is a behavior of it. Well, no, you know, in, in the role of, in the workplace, I mean, it is part of the job of the, your manager to give you feedback to improve your work products. But I could also see how that might become a little bit dicey if you're talking to somebody, you know, in their 20s who might feel like you're projecting something onto them that they don't accept or, you know, I don't know. So I I don't think the work environment is the best place to talk about gaslighting, but I do see how it could present itself in a work situation where maybe as a manager, I'm not, that's not my intention. Plus, it is a formal performance evaluation where we're giving feedback. And yet somebody might be reacting negatively because it might be the first time they're either going through that or they're hearing feedback about their work performance or they just simply disagree with it. And and then they interpret it to be maybe a little bit more nefarious than what was intended. Do you think that's completely off base, Alyssa, or do you think that we shouldn't even talk about gaslighting in a work environment in the same breath? I mean, I've had colleagues say they're being gaslit after a meeting at work. So I do think that it does play out in the workplace. I think that it depends on the setting, of course. But there have been conversations where, you know, pre-meeting, we'll have a brief discussion about, you know, some sort of situation or plan. And then during the meeting, it gets convoluted or changes or through the discussions with all the, you know, the staff present, then it kind of changes. And then after the meeting, somebody will say, well, I thought we were doing it this way. Now I'm being gaslit. And so it's just, again, that's not gaslighting. Like There wasn't a, 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 an attempt to manipulate you. It was just that if you look at it, it changed because, you know, the, maybe there's some feedback that was given that changed the perspective or, okay, you know what? We had this original plan, but now we're going to go this direction because it seems more feasible. So I think that I I have definitely seen it play out in the workforce, and I'm sure that type of scenario does occur. How often? I don't know. But I I think that definitely, you know, we're going to talk in a couple weeks or, you know, we'll publish it, but about toxic work environments. And I'm sure that in those types of work environments, too, it does come up where, you know, maybe even a higher up or, you know, a supervisor or something, they say one thing to your face and then in front of everybody else in a meeting, they say something else. I think that may or may not be gaslighting depending on that person's 
again, intentions. So I think that it can play out in the workplace. I don't think that it's so far off the mark to say that it does. I think that it happens probably more in, you know, interpersonal relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, even I've seen it play out that way as well. But again, I think that there's this distorted view of, oh, I'm being manipulated by everyone around me. Well, that might be that might be a problem because now you're viewing it through this lens. You're you're in that position. You're going to view everyone as gaslighting you, even if it's not that's not the intention of, you know, 90 percent of the people you're interacting with. I did when I was doing some searching online for what the gaslighting and movies. And so what the short a movie short was, it was maybe 20 minutes long and it was about gaslighting and sort of the, the central theme in that was a relationship between, you know, it was a um, romantic relationship between a man and a woman and uh, they moved in together. Slowly over time, there was this like implanting of this message that the woman had an alcohol problem and the woman was saying, well, I don't think I have an alcohol problem. I don't drink often or I don't drink very much. But this message just kept being repeated over and over again. And any error that happened or anything that happened that, you know, in this situation, uh, the man didn't like, he would sort of throw at her, well, how much did you have to drink that day? And she was like, well, not anything unusual. And, and I think that's what started to play with her mind was the fact that things were starting to go wrong. And then she started drinking more as a result of feeling like blamed. And the alcohol then started to play a bigger role in her part. And it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. And I don't know if that is another, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of what's a contemporary kind of story or characterization of gaslighting that we could all relate to. Because I think you and I talked about this when we talked about it as an idea that is, you know, our spouses may say, well, am I gaslighting you? Is that what this means? Or if we react to it? I think you had said you and Jason have had that conversation. Dan and I have not really used that word just because I think neither one of us is familiar with the language, but I do feel like it could happen. But do you have an example? I mean, I do think that the, the film, the short about the alcohol sort of becoming this central part of this woman sort of fulfilling that prophecy is like a good example. Or is there another thing that you can think of that is going to make all of us say, oh, that I clearly understand. Yeah, I don't know if I have a great example because I mean, I, I don't think that I'd had like it used. Usually when somebody has said that to me or is describing it, it, you know, I'm typically like, no, that's not gaslighting. It's fine. Let me explain this to you. So I think I spend more of my energy trying to explain like why it's not gaslighting. So but the thing that came to mind as you were speaking on it was like when somebody says, oh, you're just, you know, I mean, I get this a lot. Oh, you're so sensitive. You know, you're overly sensitive. You're so emotional. And I think that over time, you know, I, it's something again. So I hear it a lot. And so I'm just using that as an example to be able to say, you know, so it it starts to to become part of my understanding of who I am. Like, I, you know, oh, I'm, I guess I am too sensitive. I guess I shouldn't be so emotional. And then I fight against having strong emotions in situations. And then I have, you know, an, a subset of friends and colleagues who are like, no, you should be, you know, expressing your emotions and that's healthy. And it's, well, no, I'm not supposed to because I'm overly emotional because that's what I've been told over and over again by various parties throughout my life. So 
I think that's like, it, it's probably not the best example, but it's one that comes to mind of being able to say, you know, you hear like you were describing with the, you know, the woman and, and the, her drinking behaviors, like you start to hear this over and over again and you integrate it into your understanding of who you are. And then somebody, you know, changes the script or tells you something else or tells you like, no, that's not a, really a problem. And all of a sudden you're like, well, but I've been told it's a problem for all this time. So, you know, then you have to make sense of it. And I think that in within a romantic relationship, you might be told, well, you're just, you know, you can't take care of things. You can't do, you can't handle the finances because it's just too stressful. And so then the person becomes so dependent that they're not able to stand on their own two feet. And I think that's, again, where that manipulation and control comes into play, where the person now can't or believes they can't do something because they've been told over and over again, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough to be able to do that. And then, you know, maybe through the course of events, you get out of that relationship and maybe into a new relationship and somebody's like, no, you can do this. And it's really, I think it's just that self-doubt starts to creep in so significantly that now your whole reality, like you almost feel, like I said in the beginning, you almost feel like you're going crazy, like you're losing your mind because you don't know which way is up because of how distorted your perception of yourself becomes. And so I think it's also important to talk about the other person in this dynamic. And so the person who is intentionally trying to make you do doubt yourself and create that pattern of self-doubt, what does that person benefit? Like, how do they benefit from that? What is the motivation to do that to another person? I think the motivation is control. The motivation is that if I can, again, if I'm the person gaslighting another individual, I now have, I, I create the reality of what they think of themselves, how they view them, how they view me. I am able to manipulate and control the situation. So that person you know, again, I, I see it play out, or at least my understanding is it plays out a lot more in like in, in those romantic relationships. But think about it. If you tell somebody they're, you know, they can't do stuff, they're only good for, you know, staying at home or whatever the scenario is, then they start to believe that then they're going to stay in line and you have full control over the situation. I think that's where it can become a really toxic and really unfortunate situation for that secondary person, for the person who's, you know, being gaslit because they don't have any way of challenging that because that becomes their new norm, that becomes their reality, and they're not able to push back against it. And I think that as far as the the movie went, the the short of the short, I mean, what ended up happening, and I don't know if this is also you know, a common theme with it, or if this is just, you know, for entertainment purposes or demonstration purposes, this is the way it went. But it was almost like this person was now stuck in a abuse situation where they started to isolate themselves because they didn't feel, you know, valued enough to even manage other relationships. And so they started to believe everything that was being said and it affected them at work and, you know, they lost their job because they couldn't concentrate and they were having some issues at work there. They stopped seeing their friends and uh, because they didn't feel worthy enough or like they were so defensive 
that they couldn't get themselves into the social situations. And so ultimately, this person was then, you know, left with their, the person who is victimizing them. And I feel in those situations, then the victim is so crippled, you know, emotionally. Now she doesn't, in this situation, doesn't have a job. So financial resources are now limited. And so the person sort of has them exactly where they want them. They depend wholly on this person and can be there to, for them to take out all their angst on or make that continue victimizing them. And it just, you know, was a really quick spiral down to a very bad place. And I don't know if that's the way all of them are or what ends up happening to make the person break away from that relationship, that dynamic to get more stable in their footing. But that's what, that's the way this movie played out, whether right or wrong or over dramatization. But I don't know. I don't, I can't say that I necessarily know anybody who's had to leave a situation like this. So I don't know what, how things end up for the long term. But do you have any suspicion of what that would look like or how do people, I guess once we've opened this topic, we need to tell people how to survive it too. But what would you suggest that people do if they find themselves in this kind of a relationship that is so toxic? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's reflecting. I think we've talked about like domestic violence briefly and in some other topics and discussions. And I think that it really it's that same dynamic. I mean, it's that there's going to be long term consequences. There's going to be, you know, people might describe it as like, a trauma triggers going to be times where somebody completely unrelated to that relationship is going to say something and it's going to trigger you and it's going to affect you. And then I think that self-doubt just continues. Even if the relationship ends, it's going to continue. And I think that it's a really challenging situation. And I would say my recommendation would be for somebody to, you know, surround themselves with people that are outside of that relationship. So you know, if you have family or friends that you can turn to and say, hey, I, I think this is what's happening. And then I would say, you know, seeking mental health treatment. So psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists to help you process that, because I think it really is. It's traumatic. It's traumatic to be so. To have your own reality so distorted to the point where you don't know what is true and what is not because this person has manipulated you for so long. I mean, I don't imagine that you would be able to just walk away from that and be like, okay, that was really hard, but now I'm just going to be, I'm fine. You know, you're not fine here. I mean, I can't say that. Maybe people can move past that, but I think that you're, it's going to be working towards rebuilding and, you know, reestablishing your confidence and self-worth and all of that. I think that takes time and it probably would take talking to somebody and really making sure that they're that they're there for you. Yeah, I do feel like there would be it would be a, a bit of a long road uh, to get past that relationship and have the courage to walk away and find, you know, basically you're going to have to reestablish a social group. And unfortunately, people who have negative relationships tend to attract other negative people. And so even if you're looking for new friends, it may be hard to find different friends that can help you in that recovery process. The other thing, I mean, before we go down too far down this path, I wanted to ask you sort of your thought about, you know, buzzwords becoming 
very mainstream. So like you and I are both trained in the world of psychology and counseling. And so when like a therapeutic word takes on social meaning, do you, how do we reconcile that in everyday situations? Because that is what is sort of happening in this. And so as people with our background, if there is a sort of a clinical definition to it, then we we think of it in certain ways, like you said, you know, I don't know if that's gaslighting. I don't think you should, you know, use it in a more diluted version, but that's what socially it becomes. And so where do you think that we draw the line between always being in our like psychology brain versus letting a word become so casually used that it can also be destructive? I mean, I think that we have, I spend a lot of time in my personal life educating people about terms so that they hopefully, you know, if I can educate one person, hopefully that person can educate another person and it has a ripple effect. Because I think that it, like, there's a lot of psych- psychological terms that are misused. Like, oh, that person's so bipolar. or Oh, that person, you know, they're so psychotic. And it's like, these are actual terms used in the psychology realm. And they're not, you know, they have actual symptoms and criteria. To, and so I think that a lot of times I just try to approach it by educating those around me so that they're not misusing it. And hopefully, again, that has that ripple effect so that it's not just thrown out there. And I try to also model that. So I try to not use those terms in a way that's, you know, misleading or, you know, I mean, sometimes it slips out because I'm not really thinking about it. But if it does, I'm like, oh, you know what? That's the wrong term. That's not what I meant. So I try to correct it in the moment again, because I feel like so many times things are misused and it really can be it can be really hard for a person who is oblivious or naive to these sorts of concepts to be told like, oh, you're so bipolar. I mean, they don't know, you know, most people don't know what that means. They don't know what the criteria are for it. And so I think that it's just, if we don't just throw those terms around, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, I will say the one word that it just sort of gets under my skin because in popular language, people will say, oh, you're so schizophrenic. And what they mean by it is that you may have two personalities, but schizophrenia is actually not that, right? And so schizophrenia might be multiple personality disorder in this newer form, but schizophrenia or having two personalities is so overused or made to be so generic that every time I hear somebody say that, it just gets under my skin. Because on one hand, it's such a horrible disorder and it's so difficult to treat and so difficult to survive within. And then to use it so freely and to almost make light of it, to me, just gets to me, I guess. But different topic for another day. As we close out this conversation about gaslighting, I feel like we've sort of talked about this. Do you have any final thoughts before we close out this session, Alyssa? No, I mean, I think that I would just encourage people to you know, really educate yourself and to, again, not just throw out terms. I mean, I think that sometimes it might fit the situation, but if you're hearing it, it makes me go back to like when we're talking about like the medical, you know, medical terms that are used that we found like offensive and things like that. If you're hearing it and you know, oh, that's not right, correct it in the moment to help that, educate that person. If we could all do that and again, like just make our, you know, small circles 
more educated and more well-versed in what is and is not gaslighting or, you know, a mental illness and things like that, I think that the world, again, will be a better place. We really need to um, get it out there. I mean, I think there's a lot of movements right now to educate people, to encourage them to use these terms appropriately, but also just really knowing what that means, like not just saying it, uh, you know, willy nilly, like just not just throwing out a term because it sounds good. Say it because, you know, it's actually being applied appropriately. I think that's like my biggest two cents. <laughs> you can tell that well, I've dealt with this more than times than I'd like to. So I would appreciate that if people start using them appropriately and correctly so that there's less of just this miscommunication all over the place. Well, I think that's a great way to end today. And for our listeners, um, please reach out. I'm sure that this is a conversation that many people may have reactions to or stories that they want to share or your own thoughts. Please send them to us at thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com. Reach out to us at through our podcast or other ways that we've talked about in the past. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, signing off, this is Joji and Alyssa Marie. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? Want to share topic suggestions? Or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about? Contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com.